Let us turn again in the word of God to Revelation chapter 21, reading in verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And uh, we shall consider in particular, as the Lord is pleased to enable us, the opening words in verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Unless God had revealed what heaven is, we could never have believed in it. We could never have desired it. We could never have hoped for it. And what God has revealed, especially in the book of Revelation, are many things that are not there. We keep reading this phrase, there is no more this, there is no more this other. It seems to be the exact opposite of our environment and our experiences on earth. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has not entered into the heart of man, that is heaven. The word of God gives us a, an outline, you might say. But God also gives us sufficient understanding by his spirit. So that faith is like a, a telescope. It can actually see into heaven, described by the word. And you have to ask yourself, when you read Revelation 21 and 22 in particular, can you say after reading it, like John Bunyan, which, when I saw, I wished myself among them. Or like Alexander Peden, when he heard the news of the death of Richard Cameron, he said, oh, to be with thee, Richie. Now, first of all, there is a place where there are many tears, and that is this world. After sin came into the world, the first cries came into the world. There are many causes of tears. It could be your own failures, your regrets. Sometimes the things you did in younger days come back into your mind. And you sigh and you say with Job, that has caused me to possess in the mind the sins of my youth. Or with David, my sins and faults of youth. 
do thou, O Lord, uh, forget. The main thing is that your tears come from usually what is past in your experience. Sometimes in the present, but for the Christian, it's mostly mixed up with the past. You see, there's no such thing as a neutral memory. Every memory has an emotion attached to it. <clears throat> Your tears may arise because of what other people do to you. It could be the family, it could be at your workplace, might even be in the visible church. Bunyan said that heaven, well, he said to Pliable, there the people no longer hurt one another, but in this world they do. They do. And remember, hell is made up of other people. And they're hurting one another there without restraint. They were under restraint in this world. Some years ago, a man went up to C.S. Lewis. And he said, uh, so-and-so, do you believe that man is a Christian? And C.S. Lewis said, well, yes, yes, I do. And the man said, well, if he's a Christian, he's a very unpleasant one. And sadly, many people today are repelled from joining the church because they know some of the people in it. And we have to acknowledge what God says. The wheat and the tares will grow together in the visible church until the end comes. And then they will be separated forever. Tears because you've been hurt. You can also have tears at the loss of other people. Husbands, wives, children grandparents. There is a bereavement and often there are tears. Sometimes there's not. And that's because the person is so empty inside. It's like a fountain which cannot flow. This numbness but the Lord knows the heart. And when he wipes away the tears, he wipes away the causes of the tears. And that root, that root of tears and mourning, it shall be taken out at the door of heaven. Tears cannot enter through the gates with God's people. The Christian is a mixture of, you might say, contradictory things. The Holy Spirit, also there is sin. 
there is sorrow, but also rejoicing, uh, said Paul. You remember he also said that for the sake of Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things. And yet, a few verses later, he says, but rejoice in the Lord. He lost all things, but he had not lost him. And this is the one who shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Abraham wept at the death of Sarah. Jacob, Jacob after his own bereavement, he didn't mention Rachel until just before he died himself. And he, he looked back and there was the memory and there was the mourning, there was the tears. Now we cry because we feel pain, hurt, sorrow, regret, guilt over sin. Some of the Psalms, David is in tears because of his sin. How many have that depth of sensitivity today when they sin? Tears are a, a cry in response to something. It came into the world because of sin. And it will always be in the world, including in God's people, until we come to that place where we can sin no more. We ought to hate sin, therefore. They say the burnt child dreads the fire. Surely we have known the consequences of sin. That it all ends in tears. We have to watch, says the scripture. We have to not return to foolishness. We have to flee from appearances of evil. Of not to listen to sin. Sin is a cheat. It will promise you joy. But it will end in tears. Empty promises. And of course the devil. Well he was an expert. In empty promises. We cannot expect. Perfect happiness here. But we're traveling towards it. There is a fullness of joy. It's not in this world, but it is a joy set before us. And we look forward. We look away from ourselves. We look to him who is our chiefest joy. The source, the fountain of joy. And at the end, he says, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Here we're like the pilgrims, like the grapes of Eshko. We have foretastes of joy, but it is mixed with tears. In the time of Nehemiah, when they read the word of God, some rejoiced, some wept. But they were all God's people. And we all have different experiences. 
but God himself shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. So there's a place where there are many tears, this world. Secondly, there's a place where there's nothing but tears. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. They are weeping because they're there. The company, the devil and his angels, no restraints. And there the people do hurt one another all the time, if we can use that phrase about uh, eternity. There was an old uh, French philosopher, and he said, hell, he said, hell is other people. That's hell. And we forget that. Hell is made up of people. No longer restraint, hurting one another, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. The weeping we understand, the eternal sorrow, the despairing regrets, gnashing of teeth. Well, that's, that's anger. It's anger against God, of course, for putting them there. They thought they didn't deserve that. Although, remember, all sin is voluntary. Nobody forces you to sin. But it's anger because they're all blaming someone else. Now, that also came into this world with sin. Adam sinned, blamed his wife. The wife blamed the serpent, the devil. The devil, well, he did not shift the blame. He was quite proud of what he had accomplished. And surely that's the worst type of sin there is. When you justify it. When you shift the blame. When you blame your DNA, your upbringing, your environment, your, your company. They never accept God's verdict in hell. It's a place of weeping. It's the weeping of remorse. Dante, in his poem, put above the gates of hell, abandon hope, all ye that enter here. They have no rest and no peace, but they have weeping, gnashing of teeth. In this world, they laughed, maybe inside, when they heard about hell. But the Lord says in Luke 6, Woe to you that laugh now, for ye shall weep. One of the marks of those in heaven, and it's a neglected one, and it's not found on those who are destined for hell, is that the people of God call the Sabbath a delight. Now, we say that's a neglected mark because few can associate the delight in the Sabbath here with the delight in heaven there. But you see, if you go to Hebrews, 
where it says there remains a rest for the people of God. That word rest is Sabbath keeping. It's a Sabbath rest. So if you don't have a delight in the Sabbath here, well, how can you have one there? There's memory in hell. There's conscience. And there's tears. And they will never be wiped away. You remember the rich man in hell and he heard the voice, son, remember. And that made his torment. He remembered the opportunities. He remembered the mocking when he heard the warning about hell and invitations to heaven. Son, remember, he said. And he said he wanted a special service. Let's have special services. Send Lazarus back from the dead. They can preach every night. And the Lord said, even if one rose from the dead, they have the word of God. The Lord is not giving us the gospel plus. The word is sufficient. Son, remember. So there's a place where there's nothing but tears. Now, thirdly, there is this place where there is no crying at all. There are four tastes here. We are looking forward to it. We know what it is to enjoy seasons of peace and, and joy. But they don't last here. No emotion in this world, good or bad, can last long. It's the way we're constituted in this world. Some of the reasons for that are given, of course, in the next couple of verses. No more death, no more sorrow, no crying, no more pain. All these former things are passed away, never to be seen again. There can be no more tears because there are no causes for tears in heaven. There's not even any more repentance because they sin no more. What a new experience this will be for us. We have thoughts tastes anticipations. But heaven, the experience, behold, I make all things new, said the Lord. No one ever died in Christ's presence. And when we come out of this world, and remember, we're coming out of great tribulation. He will be there to meet us. And one of the first things he will do is to wipe away all tears from our eyes. Because that's life. Joy at thy right hand, pleasures forevermore. There's no more tears. This life is to be fully enjoyed. No more grief. Because there's perfect happiness in heaven because there's perfect holiness in heaven. 
The two go together. Think about it. When do you lose your joy? When you sin. Reminding you of your imperfect sanctification. But just as he finished the work for us, he will finish the work in us. You'll notice in Romans 8 that the word sanctification is not mentioned in that golden chain. Predestinated, called, justified, glorified. Because glorified is the perfection of sanctification. It is bound up with the word, glorified. Here, well, we're going through Baker, a veil of tears, but we do come out the other side. We do come out the other side. We have Eshkol, we have the valley, we have the Fortes, and then we cross over the, the promised land is waiting. And we will then see face to face the one who brought us over. That's another confirmation. There will be no more tears. Because there are no more tears with Christ. And when we do see him, we will be like him. There's no crying in heaven. Christ doesn't weep over anything in heaven. Tears are left at the door of heaven on the outside. But there's joy in heaven. Even over one sinner that repents here, there is joy in heaven. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God. And who is in the presence of the angels of God? The finder. The one who found that which was lost and brought it home rejoicing. There is a time to mourn, we read, but there's also a time to rejoice. And in eternity, there's no time to mourn. There's only an eternity to rejoice. And that joy is focused on Christ the source of our joy. It is, you might say, a, a reflex joy. The Lord joys in his people. He looks forward to seeing the travail of his soul face to face. In his light, we shall see light. And in his joy, we shall experience joy. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more tribulation. No more fighting and wounds. No more defeats. No more sorrow. No more death. No more heaviness bearing our cross. For the cross is a, is a heavy thing. We read in Psalm or rather Isaiah, the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her. Unlike the Jerusalem below, where there was much weeping, in the Jerusalem which is above, the voice of weeping 
shall no more be heard in her. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, what is the way to that place? It's very simple. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. And when you come, you come by a way, except by me, except through me, he said, the, the mediator. So is there a preparation necessary for heaven? Well, according to this, yes, you must know Christ. He is the way. How do you know it's the right way? He says, I am the truth. What is there at the end of this way? I am the life, he said. David said many years ago, thou wilt show me the path of life. At thy right hand are pleasures evermore. He has the keys. He it is that brings sinners in. By him, sinners have access. Because of him, God is willing to receive sinners. All that come to him. Through Jesus Christ, that is. He said, I am the door. There's only one door. You must, as a sinner, ask him for a place. You confess you do not deserve it. No one does. If there's a place in heaven for you, it is freely given. And that is a matter of glory to Christ. It's a matter of thanksgiving and love and joy in us. Ask him for grace and for a place. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now he said that to his disciples. Are you his disciple? Are you following the forerunner who has entered heaven, torn the veil, the barrier, and left that veil open for sinners to follow him? The only people who can be happy in this world are those who are traveling to that next world. There's joy and anticipation. No more tears. An experience to be left behind forever. It's not something we know much of now. But he can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities as we go on the way. Samuel Rutherford does a, a beautiful sermon on this verse, a communion sermon. And he calls it Christ's napkin. And he says, God's people on the way to heaven, they cry. And he said, Christ comes with his napkin and wipes away their tears. But then they cry again. And he comes again and wipes away their tears. But it's only when they've made it to heaven that he shall wipe away all tears. There shall be a final removal of tears. Never to cry again. 
We daily look in the Bible to see the way ahead, to see the end of the journey. And we wouldn't know anything about heaven unless God had revealed it in his word. And we need the spirit to give us light and strength for the way. But we need the spirit and the word. We need the spirit and the word. You do not need a man. You need the spirit and the word. We have the word. But we don't have the power nowadays. That's what's lacking. If we really believe that and felt the need of that power, friends, the prayer meetings would be packed. Packed. We have the words. And that word will not return void. It will accomplish whatever God sends it to do. In some cases, the word softens the heart. Draws that heart closer to Christ. But in other cases, the heart becomes hardened. Judas and the other disciples heard the same word. But what a difference in the effects. And it was not accidental. We have the word. We need to pray for the power. Not just to convert the dead, give life to the dead, but to revive the living. How many of us have said, where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? We need to recover that first love. We need the spirit. God and no one else, only he can do it shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. All tears. Completely. Never to return. There's no reason for tears in heaven. There are reasons here for tears. David, a type of Christ, was a very strong man, a warrior, he believed in absolutes, truth, faithfulness, devotion. But he was also tender-hearted. He wept over his own sins. He wept over the sins of others. Absalom, my son, my son. Christ can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. He knows our tears. We were singing some psalms on that subject. Are they not in thy book? Tears is an experience we all have to go through at some time in some measure. But Christ came to redeem us from our misery. If Christ had not come to redeem us, Everything would be miserable in this world. But there are no tears beyond the grave for those who die in the Lord. Because blessed are they that die in the Lord. For so many people, 
the happiness they have in this miserable world is the only spot of happiness they will ever have. And even that will be taken away from them. So in conclusion, friends, have your tears given you an appetite for the joy set before you? You know, the Passover was eaten with bitter herbs to sharpen the appetite for what was to come. This is the first thing Christ shall do when he meets you. He shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Tears are left outside the gates of heaven. They cannot enter. Take this promise with you, because it is a promise. God shall wipe away all tears from your eyes. And then you'll be able to say with Bunyan, which when I saw, I wished myself among them. And may he bless his word to us. Let us pray. With thee is the fountain of life. And we thank thee for remembering us. We thank thee that thou hast been our companion on the way. Thou hast dried the tears. Thou knowest it shall happen again. But thou art with us always. We pray for all those who, who cry for anything except their own sin. We do not cry for their distance from the Lord of life. That thou would empty them of self and of the love of this world and replace it with the love for thyself. For thou art our life, our hope, our only confidence. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Lord, remember us, receive us, watch over us, with joy we commit ourselves into thy keeping, knowing him who is faithful, who has promised, through Jesus Christ. Amen.